Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is your Times Daily World Briefing for Sunday the 25th of September. I'm Laura Cook. And I'm Holly Keogh. Hundreds are arrested as military draft continues in Russia. And polls open in Italy's election. The uh, actual situation now, uh, there's no party that is actually going to get that majority on its own, or or no one is expecting that at all. The Times Daily World Briefing. In Russia, where over 700 people have been arrested in protests after Vladimir Putin ordered their first military draft since World War II. There have been widespread demonstrations since President Putin announced plans to draft 300,000 men to fight in Ukraine. Independent rights group OVD Info says demonstrators were detained in 32 different cities. Under Russian law, unsanctioned rallies are banned, but the move to call up 300,000 men to the military has sparked protests, even in urban areas. Around 120,000 people have signed a petition against the move, according to a Russian news outlet. It's also led thousands to flee the country, causing tailbacks at borders and flights to sell out. The Times of London columnist Edward Lucas, who's written on the subject, says it raises a lot of questions. If it's not a war, but just a special military operation, why the need for extra soldiers? If Russia's winning, why the need for extra soldiers? If the Ukrainians are really a brotherly people, or indeed one people, as he says of them, why are they resisting so hard and so effectively. So he's trying to get himself out of a military hole, which is that he's running out of soldiers, but he's digging a very deep political one as a result. Russians who are in the country's reserves and those who have prior military experience have been heading to recruitment centres with videos of shuttles transporting new recruits circulating on social media. Konstantin Ivanov says he intends to enlist. My mother doesn't particularly want me to go, but I think this is at least a civic duty. I didn't dodge the draft 10 years ago and I don't intend to dodge now. If we just do nothing and wait for a miracle, then nothing will happen. I want to know immediately if they recruit me. There have been reports that people with no military service have been issued draft papers, contrary to the Defence Ministry's guarantee that only those with special military skills or combat experience would be called up. It's prompted even ultra-loyal pro-Kremlin figures to publicly express concern. Russia's two top parliamentarians, both close Putin allies, explicitly addressed public anger at the way the mobilisation drive was unfolding. Valentina Matvinenko, the chairwoman of Russia's upper house, the Federation Council, said she was aware of reports of men who should be ineligible for the draft being called up. 
and Vyacheslav Volodin, Speaker of the State Duma, Russia's lower chamber, also expressed concern in a separate post. Complaints are being received, he said. The Kremlin has twice denied it actually plans to draft more than a million following two separate reports in independent Russia media outlets. We move now to Italy, where the polls are open in a general election that could deliver the most right-wing government since World War II. It comes after a chaotic summer campaign triggered by the collapse in July of the national unity government of Prime Minister Mario Draghi. The last election was five years ago, but since then there have been three different governments. Sabina Castelfranco is a journalist and producer based in Rome. She doesn't think one party will win. Obviously, you need a a majority. The uh, actual situation now, uh, there's no party that is actually going to get that majority on its own, or or no one is expecting that at all. Um, So what we're likely to see uh, coming out of this election is that uh, there's probably going to be a coalition of parties that will need to form the new government. Opinion polls show voters are on track to elect Giorgia Maloney from the Brothers of Italy party, making her the country's first female leader. Sabina Castle-Franco explains why she's so popular. For a start, she has always been in the opposition. And when they offered her not to be in the opposition, she said, no, I'm going to stay in the opposition. And I think that a lot of people think she's coherent, more coherent than anybody else. Um, She hasn't changed her mind on many issues. Final polls published before a pre-election blackout this month placed Maloney's Brothers of Italy on about 25%. Matteo Salvini's league slipped below the 12% it scored, adding in Silvio Berlusconi's 8% share. The right-wing alliance would take about 45% of the vote, with a majority in Parliament ensured, thanks to Italy's complex voting system. But as voting continues, the only certain thing Italians have been saying that they want, whoever wins, is to bring a brighter future for the country. Paolo lives in Rome. I think, rather than hope, that the right will win, but I don't know how it will go. The left, from what I hear, has no serious manifesto, and the parties are on their own, whereas the right at least has a coalition. Although, honestly, I think that if Berlusconi went into retirement, it would be better. Voting runs on Sunday from 7am until 11pm, with exit polls released when balloting ends. On the way, protests are held outside the White House for regime change in Iran and a top-secret museum holds the secrets of the world. The Times Daily World Briefing. Demonstrators backing an exiled Iranian opposition group held a rally in front of the White House in the United States in solidarity with deadly protests that have swept Iran in recent days. Down with terrorist regime of Iran. Regime change in Iran. Protests worldwide were triggered by the death of Marta Amini, a 22-year-old Kurdish woman following her detention in Tehran by morality police enforcing hijab rules on women's dress. Protesters denounced what they call Iran's terrorist regime, chanting slogans demanding the ousting of Iranian Prime Minister Ebrahim Raisi and the country's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. This is protester Tara Shaifi. I'm here for solidarity with Iranian uprising and Mahsa Amini's family. I want to tell them that I'm here with them, I'm supporting them, and this is the least things I can do. Some protesters are also calling for the US government and international community to stand up for Iranians. 
This is Majeg Sadegpour. It is unless there is the international community supports that aspiration, both publicly and politically, it is impossible to ask a, a, a population that is really facing absolute brutality uh, to change the regime on their own without any moral support. The demonstration was orchestrated by the organization of Iranian-American communities who call themselves a non-profit, non-partisan network of Iranian-American societies from across the country. The OIAC is known to be allied with the People's Mujahideen Organization of Iran, which calls for the overthrow of Iran's leaders and fought alongside Saddam's forces in the Iran-Iraq war in the 1980s. The PMOI is also known as the Mujahideen Ikalk, which was listed as a terrorist organisation by the US State Department until 2012. Protesters at the rally in Washington, D.C. also voiced support for the leader of the MEK, Mariam Rajavi, and her resistance efforts. The launch of NASA's most powerful rocket has been delayed again due to a tropical storm which could become a hurricane. The Artemis One moon rocket was expected to launch from Florida's Kennedy Space Center on Tuesday, but Florida now faces a hurricane threat as Tropical Storm Ian has strengthened and could approach as a major hurricane. The launch of the rocket has already been postponed twice. This comes after Storm Fiona has battered Canada's coastline. One woman is missing after being washed out to sea in Newfoundland. Power lines have been downed and houses also washed into the sea. Fiona was downgraded from a hurricane to a tropical storm on Friday. Such weather events are rare in Canada and police say the storm was like nothing we've ever seen. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. With the latest on Novak Djokovic's first game since Wimbledon, here's Kane Reeves. Team Europe head into the final day of tennis's Labour Cup with a significant lead over the world team, with Novak Djokovic putting them on course to win it for a fifth consecutive time. Former world number one Djokovic won his first game on court since claiming the Wimbledon title, easing past US Open semi-finalist Francis Tiafoe in straight sets. Djokovic then won his doubles match, teaming up with Italian Matteo Berrettini. Team Europe lead 8-4 ahead of the final round of matches. There'll be no Rafael Nadal on the court. He's returned to Spain to be with his wife as they're expecting their first child. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. Actor Alec Baldwin is now a father of eight after the birth of a baby daughter. The 64-year-old actor and his wife, Hilaria, welcomed baby Ilana Catalina Arena Baldwin on Thursday. She weighed six pounds, 13 ounces. Hilaria shared a video of the couple's newborn daughter on Saturday on Instagram, writing, She's here. We're so excited to introduce you to our tiny dream come true. The couple are also parents to four sons and two daughters, while Alec is also dad to 26-year-old daughter Ireland, who he shared with ex-wife Kim Basinger. And finally, when you go to a museum, you might expect to see artefacts from ancient societies and far-off lands. But at the CIA's headquarters in Virginia, their in-house museum is maybe the most unusual and exclusive in the world. It's the only place a visitor can see both Cold War spy gadgets and Saddam Hussein's leather jacket. Among the 600 artefacts on display, visitors can see a slightly more than foot-long scale model of the compound in Kabul that was used to brief President Joe Biden before the drone strike that killed al-Qaeda Ayman al-Zawahiri just two months ago. The museum's audience is the CIA's own staff as well as official visitors. Some items are available to view online as part of a broader effort to expand public outreach and recruitment by the legendary but secretive agency. 
And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Sunday, the 25th of September. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.